Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. It's BFW's weekly show where we hit all of the big news that has happened over the course of this week. And I think it's pretty obvious where we're going to start out. There's been quite a bit of contract news, including the big signing of Kingsley Coman. And we will get to that in a second. I briefly want to touch on uh, some of the fallover from last week as we head into uh, the FC Cole match. I know that there is uh, there's a little bit of skepticism from some of the Bayern fan base as to how this team is going to be able to regroup after the Gladbach disaster. Now, granted, this was not as bad as the 5-0 DFB Pokal loss, but the 2-1 loss last week to Gladbach was was really um, it was disappointing, as I mentioned in the preview for the Cole show and also in the postgame show. From last weekend, uh, disappointing is the best word because Byron was lifeless uh, for the large majority of the match. I would expect that to change, and I don't think that we'll see quite as a uh, lethargic of a performance as we saw last week against Cladbeck. Colm presents its own challenges, but uh, I think this is a new week. I think Julian Nagelsmann is going to have the boys ready. And I think there's a little bit of excitement, and part of that is due to some of the news that came out this week, including Kingsley Coman's new deal. And if you listen to the show over the past couple of weeks, you've heard me kind of drone on about uh, Coman and his status. I, for the longest time, had never gotten the point or the picture that that Coman wanted to leave. There was always a whisper or a rumor attaching him to Barcelona or Real Madrid or somewhere in the Premier League. There's always a little bit of a whisper, but we never heard anything really concrete from him. A lot of the noise that was coming out started when Coman hired uh, on a temporary basis, Pini Zahavi, to handle his negotiations. Now, Coman, of course, had the uh, trifecta of death working his negotiations. He had, of course, Zahavi, who does not exactly have the most uh, or the best reputation, I should say, in dealing with Bayern Munich. Uh, But he also had his father, Christian, and a family friend handling the negotiations. And I know I've said this a bunch, but whenever there's family and friends involved, it's just disappointing because those people typically, whether you're talking about Coman or you're talking about someone in another sport, those family and friends that get involved like this, if they don't have any type of background in law or contracts or anything like that, Typically, it just means that they're trying to do something to get paid themselves. And I think we're almost seeing a little bit of that with Erling Haaland as well, given what some of the stipulations allegedly are for him to sign somewhere. So uh, it's not like Coman is the only person that's dealt with this. Uh, You've seen professional hockey players, baseball players, American football, basketball, any sport you've seen this. Uh, The good thing is that Coman, uh, while we don't have any Uh, I would say confirmation on this. It seems like in the end, he was able to not just say what he wanted, say where he wanted to go, where he wanted to be, but also get close to that number that he wanted in salary. And we had seen that he had wanted to be paid up in the 20 million euro range, which was never going to happen. But his contract is somewhere between 15 and 17 million, uh, probably closer to 17 million euros. Uh, which I guess for a player like that is the going rate these days. He undoubtedly would have been paid that no matter where he went this season uh, or next season, I'm sorry. 
And whether it would have been Liverpool or Barcelona or Real Madrid, uh, you know, Coman probably did leave a couple of million on the table because I'm sure if he got to the summer, he could have went out and really shopped himself if he really wanted to leave. And, uh, you know, with the help of Zahavi, if he would have engaged him once more, I think that there would have been a, uh, a definite bump up in salary from where he will be at at Bayern Munich. But in the end, when you're a player, you have to do what is best for you, what is best for your comfort level and play where you want to be. And I think too often in professional sports, we see players that take deals and go to places where they don't want to be. And, you know, the results often are mixed. Uh, sometimes players can battle through it because they're just that good. And other times people are miserable and they can't have that same level of achievement that they had done prior to that point. So, uh, Overall, I'd say it's a really good deal for Coman. It's a really good deal for Bayern Munich. Contract is supposed to be through 2027. The one immediate question I did have was what this means for Julian Nagelsmann and his plans moving forward. Uh, one of the theories that's been out there is that Nagelsmann will eventually move to a back three and, and use a formation that would feature wing backs. He's already got one built in in Alfonso Davies. And, uh, you know, Bayern, as they go through and... Uh, you know, we hear more and more rumors as the weeks go on. It seems like they want to get another player who's a little bit more offensively minded out there at right back, someone that could probably fit the profile of a right wing back. So it remains to be seen if Julian Nagelsmann will eventually move to that. But what he does have now, if he does make a change, is a little bit of a problem with numbers as he has what I would say three natural wingers in Coman, Sané, and Serge Gnabry. And then he's also got Jamal Musiala, who I think his profile, while Nagelsmann and many others see him in the center of the pitch as a 10 or even an eight, I see him as a wing uh, and not because he can't play those other positions. Cause I think he's so good. He can play just about anywhere, but I think his profile works best as a, winger in a 4-2-3-1 system because of his dribbling ability, his speed, his ability to change speeds, and his passing vision. So what I really think uh, Musiala can bring to the table is versatility and maybe allow Julian Nagelsmann to make an adjustment, make a switch. And uh, if he needs to change formations, he's at least got one flexible part. If you heard that creak in the background, well, that was me using a sliding glass door to let my dog out because why would the dog want to go out when uh, I offered it to go out before the podcast started? No, of course, it wanted to go out right in the middle of me talking about Kingsley come on. So sorry if I'm breaking the third wall there or whatever they call it. But back to Coman and Nagelsmann. I think this shows a commitment that Nagelsmann is probably going to stick to this hybrid 4-2-3-1 for a while. And what that means for other players as we see uh, some key players coming up for contract negotiations at Bayern Munich, I don't know. But we'll touch on them in a bit. But to, to I guess the cap off Coman, I, like I said, I think it's a very good deal for both sides. The number of with his sal- associated with his salary is making some fans uncomfortable, but I think that's the new world. I think that's the going right for a player of Coman's talent and his ability. So I think that's just what we have to get used to. But with Serge Gnabry coming up for a deal, things definitely could get interesting because I can't imagine that Gnabry is going to want to take less than Coman. So why don't we transition right to that and talk about Serge Gnabry? Because what we saw this week, 
is that Sergey Gnabry's talks are basically on hold because he wants a certain number. Bayern Munich has not yet offered it, and they're kind of at a stalemate. And that number is rumored to be somewhere around 15 million to 16 million euro. But now that Coman is making 17 million, it will be interesting to see if Gnabry changes his tune and asks for a little bit more. For Gnabry, uh, it's a very tenuous situation. I mean, he's obviously a talent. He's a German talent. He'll be a star for Germany probably through the next two World Cup cycles. But uh, his asking price here might push Bayern to to their limit into what they want to spend for a particular position, especially if Nagelsmann's going to stick to uh, a formation that would really only utilize two of Sané, Gnabry, and Coman. Now, having that depth is great, especially because of the injury history of all three of those players. Uh, so I don't know. I think that wing is a position that Bayern Munich would invest more heavily in just because of the injuries. And I think it's very similar to center back where uh, Brazo and Julian Nagelsmann want to have actually three starters at those positions rather than just the two that the formation requires. So for Gnabry, I think he will resign. I think what we saw this week is that Bayern Munich right now is so busy with Coman. They were so busy previously with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka that they needed to focus on those cases first. And with Gnabry, I think it's pretty much laid out where he's going. And it's been very telling that we haven't even seen him linked to anyone. I mean, there has not been one story at all saying, well, Serge Gnabry is thinking about a future in the Premier League or Serge Gnabry wants to play in Spain. We haven't seen anything. So that tells me Gnabry is solely focused on staying with Bayern Munich. tells me that Bayern Munich knows that and that they're in no rush to get a deal done when they have to focus their time and their efforts on so many other players. And it's not as if Gnabry is the only one that's coming up for a deal. Even more urgently than him is Nicolas Sula. And the more and more we see about Sula, the more ominous it looks for his future at Bayern Munich. The latest news this week is that Bayern wants to resign him. They're not sure if he's committed to the cause at Bayern Munich, essentially, that he has not given them their commitment. So where we're at with Sula is that he's going to have to make his his mind up. He's going to have to do it rather quickly because Bayern Munich is not going to wait around forever. Now, I think what we can say is that Bayern Munich is not going to be involved in the Antonio Rudiger pursuit. I think it's pretty obvious now that Chelsea is going to buck up for Rudiger, retain him, and, and he'll be off the market. The other two prime primary candidates to backfill Sula's position would be Tyus Ginter, who of course is a free uh, transfer at the end of the season from Borussia Mönchengladbach, and Kevin Schlotterbach from SC Freiburg, who would cost Bayern Munich approximately 20 to 30 million. And I think it would be closer to 20, not because of Schlotterbach's uh, talent or his potential or anything like that. I think it's because he has a laser focus in on Bayern Munich. And I think his desire to play for Bayern and stay in the Bundesliga would help get a deal done for a lesser price than SC Freiburg might be comfortable with. But that is a bridge that I'm sure Schlotterbeck, Freiburg, and Bayern will cross when they get to it. But regardless of all of that, Sewell is going to have to make his mind up because Bayern Munich wants to get their plans in motion. If they're going to pursue Ginter, they want to get that done now before it becomes a bidding war. Uh, and it makes sense because if Sula really is not going to commit and he really is that focused on moving on, which I'm not really sure that's the case, not totally convinced of that at this point, 
But if he is going to do that, then it makes sense to look at those two options and see what's best. Now, if you were going to twist my arm or put a gun to my head or anything like that, I would say I'd go with Schlotterbeck because he's younger. I think he has great potential and he could be a foundational player. I think Ginter could come to Bayern Munich and be a good player, a versatile player, and and be very solid and fit into a rotation as a starting center back for sure. And could also fill in as a right back if needed. Uh, very similar to what Sula's profile provides Bayern Munich. But I think we've seen the top end of Ginter's game. I think we've seen the best he can be as a player. And while it is good, I would take the chance on that potential of Schlotterbeck moving forward. And I would try and wrap him up and get him in-house as soon as possible. The X factor in all of that is that Schlotterbeck is a left-footed center back from everything I've read that he uh, prefers to work on the left side, which would put him in direct conflict with uh, Luca Hernandez. So, but again, Hernandez too has a, a contract that's not necessarily um, long-term. He's got a couple of years left and it remains to be seen if Bayern Munich would be trying to retain him or if they would be looking to sell him off uh, down the road. Either way, uh, Bayern has options. They have good options, but I would expect something to come down with Sula within the next four to six weeks uh, relatively quickly because I think Bayern is getting tired of waiting around. I think they want Nicholas Sula. I think Sula is trying to play the market a little bit and drive up his price, which is smart on his end, but he doesn't want to overplay his hand here because if Bayern Munich does make the move and invest in Ginter or even take the big swing and go for Slaughterbeck because in these times, 20 to 30 million is definitely a big swing for Bayern Munich. Uh, I think that uh, they would do that. And if that happens, that will be the end of Nicholas Sula. So unfortunately, like that's not, that's not a great thing for those that want to see Sula retained. I've made my position on Sula very clear. I think he's got the physical profile that you need in the modern game. I think he can be even better than what he's been. I thought he was Bayern Munich's best center back in the first half, obviously did not start out great, did not have a good game against Gladbach. So um, would look for him to improve this week, but I think he's a player that you need that you don't want to lose. And I think Bayern will try and retain him. It's really just going to come down to what he wants and where he wants to be. Uh, The other, I guess, contract extension news that we saw this week was a triumvirate of contracts in Manuel Neuer, Thomas Muller, and Robert Lewandowski. It seems right now that Manuel Neuer is already in talks with the club and they're working on what looks to be a one-year contract extension. And I think that while Thomas Muller is not involved in talks at this point, that there is a gentleman's agreement in place that he will extend. I think that the only details that will be worked out on that end is how much he'll get paid. And I think the way that Bayern Munich is going to approach these veterans is they're going to uh, work with Neuer and Muller on a one-year basis. So right now, both have contracts that, that expire in 2023. If they can get deals done this early, either this winter or over the summer, it keeps them one year ahead of everything. So if they can keep that one year ahead, they'll be able to every year address this right around the end of the season, extend the deal or opt to move on. With the way Muller and Neuer are playing, I can't see that happening for two or three years at this point. I mean, at some point they're going to have to slow down, but Neuer's been fantastic. Muller has been fantastic. They both have been amazing for the better part of the last three years at a minimum. So I think that you really have to consider retaining them. I think the club's going to retain both. That will definitely have a trickle down effect. Alexander Nubel will then probably move on. 
Uh, Jamal Musiala might have to start looking more closely at playing in a wider position because Thomas Muller is quite a roadblock to overcome at his spot. Um, you know, and there are several candidates <laughs> on the campus who are just, uh, you know, good, very good young prospects who, who have the capability to, to get forward in this. And when you look at Paul Vonner and you look at Gabriel Vitovich and Arian Ibrahimovic and Nemanja Motika and Malik Tillman, I mean, you're seeing some very highly rated prospects who could all probably be in the mix at another club. Uh, but might not get that opportunity. So there will be some fallout depending on what Bayern Munich does with those extensions for players like Muller and play and, and Manuel Neuer. The other name I mentioned was Robert Lewandowski and Lewandowski is a very interesting case because he's not in the same mindset as Thomas Muller or Manuel Neuer, according to reports. It looks like Robert Lewandowski wants a multi-year extension and he wants to increase his salary. Uh, while we might not see Mueller or Neuer increase their salaries, I would expect them to stay at or around the same level. Lewandowski looks like he wants to increase his at this point, and it's a fair request given how well he's performed. He's the best player on the planet. Um, you could really not find anyone more effective scoring and that's kind of the name of the game at this point, right? So uh, Lewandowski will be a very interesting case to watch pay, watch play out. When will these talks begin? How serious will the interest be from other clubs? I mean, we all know that Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, Manchester United, Liverpool, they would all take Lewandowski in a heartbeat. PSG, Juventus, they would all buck up for him, no doubt. The problem with any of that is all of those clubs have other moves that could eventually be a roadblock for making a Lewandowski move. Uh, when you look at Real Madrid, for instance, they are so focused in on Kylian Mbappe that, you know, to make a move for him, it might cost so much that it would be prohibitive to then attempt to get Lewandowski. Similarly, FC Barcelona is rumored to be hot after Erling Haaland. So uh, it would be very doubtful you would bring in both of those players at the same time in one transfer window. Uh, so this will all be very interesting to play out. Lewandowski of course, um, he's <laughs> a roadblock himself in some ways because the other story that we saw this week was that Bayern Munich has made contact with Mino Raiola over Erling Haaland, which is very interesting because you could look at this several different ways. First, you could say that Bayern Munich ha has interest, legitimate interest in Haaland, which I think they do. Who would not? He is the best young striker on the planet. And he looks like he is going to be that player for the next 10 years. When Messi and Ronaldo have retired, this is going to be Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe's game. And I mean, I would hitch my trailer to Haaland anytime. Uh, I think he's that good. And it makes sense that Byron is interested and would be making contact. Um, the other way you could look at this is that Byron is using this contact with Raiola over Haaland as a little bit of leverage over Lewandowski saying to his camp, like, listen, we like you. We want you to stay. We want you to extend your deal. But we also have a younger option, one that we are more than capable of affording the buyout on, one that we could work out a financial deal for his wages to make work. Now, this all comes down to wages, right, with Holland, And we've seen some crazy, crazy numbers. And I've gotten battered a bit in the BFW comment section for my belief that Holland just wants to be at Bayern Munich. And whether that's true or not, and my tinfoil hat theory is that he does, I do think he would 
come to Bayern Munich for a lesser price than what he would get at, say, Real Madrid or PSG or somewhere else, just like Kingsley Coman did. I think that there's a there's something to be said about the Mia sound Mia mentality and how players perceive that. And in the end, you know, some players are not going to be they're not going to be thrown off or turned off by a matter of three to five seven to ten million dollars i mean some players now not all because obviously many are driven by that contract and rightfully so who wouldn't want the money but there are so many other ways to make money these days through endorsements and other deals that hollands could be one of these more free-thinking individuals that could rationalize taking a little bit less from a club because he could ultimately make just as much through endorsements so We'll see what happens that with that as we follow the situation. The one thing that we have repeatedly seen is Byron's executives. Anytime there is a Holland story, they come out and they throw water. And it's not just the on it, cold water on it. It's not just the current executives. I mean, you'll see Herbert Hayner and Oliver Kahn and Brazo and Nagelsmann. I mean, not as much Nagelsmann. He kind of blows off those questions, but you know, Kahn, Hayner, and um Brazo will will come out and kind of just dismiss all of the talk of Holland, right? I mean, Byron even goes as far as to get Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Honus out to dismiss those rumors. But in the end, there's just too many to ignore. And it doesn't mean that Byron Munich is going to seriously get in the bidding for him, but it means that they're interested and they should be. As Brazo once said and got chided for, you know, why wouldn't they be looking at him? He's so impressive. Like you have to have interest at that point. So, uh, what happens with Lewandowski? What happens with Holland? You know, they might be tied together in terms of if one goes, the other may come in. If one stays, the other has no chance. I still prefer the why not both? We'll do it live effort option of bring, having them both here and having Nagelsmann figure out a way to work. Of course, the roster logistics you'd have to work through now that you have Coman tied in and that you'll probably have Serge Gnabry tied in <laughs> and Leroy Sané already in-house, Musiala and Thomas Muller. It's a whole lot of talent for only a few spots. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it might not work out in some ways, but I, I would trust Nagelsmann to find a way to do it because I think that there is a way that he could. And I, I honestly put less value on, while I do admire the games of Gnabry and Coman and Sané, and, and I respect them and the impact that they have, I think about a front three working together in some kind of three, four, two, one or three, four, one, two, having that top three of Muller, Lewandowski and Holland. And I just see a whole hell of a lot of goals. So that would be exciting for me, but I'm obviously not the sporting director of one of the world's great clubs. So I'm just a knucklehead sitting behind a mic. Either way, uh, we will no doubt be following the contract dealings of Robert Lewandowski and Erling Holland. And we've gotten to that point where uh, I like to hit on what I'm watching uh, on television. And what I can tell you is a lot of weeks I get here and I'm like, uh, I'm not watching anything at this point because my life's been pretty crazy. And that's exactly where I'm at right now. So there are a list of things that I need to hit. And shame on me. I have not even watched the Byron documentary yet. We had several of uh, the BFW staffers watch it already uh, and even did a bit of a review on it. Uh, I still need to get there and I plan on hitting that this weekend. Uh, as you can see, I have a, a huge fun weekend of going out and partying ahead of me. No, I don't. I have to coach some basketball. I have to watch some footy of my kids and uh, 
I'm going to watch the Byron documentary, but I also have to get on the Cobra Kai train because I have been one of the big proponents of Cobra Kai over the years, and I need to get into season four. I uh, love the first three seasons. As I've said many times, it is the perfect uh, show to bring in an equal mix of fun, cheesiness, campiness, and drama. Uh, and, and it's just the nostalgic part of it, I think, is great, too. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the show. Can't wait to see what season four has has really uh, brought on. So I will be digging into that over the course of the next couple of weeks as well. And the other show that I've I started, but I have not followed up on yet is Boba Fett. Of course, being a Star Wars nerd, I was you know, born in 76. So I was like prime territory for Star Wars growing up. Um, you know, I, I thought the first episode was pretty good. I uh, look forward to watching more of it. I mean, listen, it's tough to match up to what The Mandalorian is. Uh, that's just a different type of show. And uh, I'm I'm not saying Boba Fett can get there, probably can't, but it's still a fun watch nonetheless. And uh, one thing for sure, it's already less painful than those, uh, than the Star Wars sequels. It was just, uh, you know, I was not a big fan of any of those, uh, to be honest. I did like the one-offs. I liked Rogue One. I liked Solo. I thought those were both good. Uh, did not care too much for, uh, the Daisy Ridley led sequels, although I thought she was good. I just thought the stories kind of sucked, unfortunately. And uh, they really didn't keep my interest. In fact, I fell asleep in, I think the second one, whatever it was called. I was not really all that interested uh, other than the Luke Skywalker parts. But um, yeah, I think I fell asleep in the theater, which is very telling because like I said, I'm, I'm a nerd for that kind of thing. So uh, I've got some watching to do. And of course I'll be watching the Byron game. I'll be one of the, Hosers watching it on delay this week because I believe I will be out of my house at that point at some kind of uh, soccer event for one of my kids. So uh, I will be checking up on that one later. And that's really what hinders all <laughs> the, the the good streaming and television watching I do late night is because if I don't get to a game during the day, then I watch it at night because, of course, I have to write about it and take notes for doing podcasts and whatnot. So uh, this is one of those weeks where I'll be on delay watching and I will absolutely probably be up at late at least one night uh, watching the Byron Doc. So I will uh, I'll review that Byron Doc for next week's weekend warm up and let you know how far I've gotten into some of those others. But given how life has been for me lately and how busy and crazy it's been, I don't know that I'll get too far. So that'll wrap it up for this week's weekend warm up. Appreciate you guys checking in. Uh, thanks again for every download. Keep checking out our site. We're going to have some great coverage on the Cullen match this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Bayern Munich does. And I know that you guys will all be uh, tuned in and, and trying to process everything as we see how Bayern Munich reacts to uh, attempting to come back after that disappointing performance last week. So you can always get me at the barrel blog on Twitter and get our site at Bavarian FB works. You can get my guy, Tom Adams, at Tommy Adams 71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And of course, Samarin and Schnitzel are not on Twitter and they're probably better off for it. So you'll just have to go to the site and get them in the comment section. Thanks again for listening. Have a great time watching the game. Drink a couple of beers because I know I will. See you later. game have a great time this weekend 
I know I'm going to probably try and get after it a little bit, maybe Saturday night. I think I'm due for it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go beer or liquor yet, but chances are I'll be passed out on my couch uh, by like 10.30 or 11 o'clock Saturday night or so. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll give you a status report on that, or maybe I'll even live tweet my drinking exploits from the weekend. One thing I do know is I'll probably be in my house because at this point I've made it through without catching COVID. I'm going to try and keep this streak going because at some point I think, like, I don't know. Now it's I'm just making it a point, so I'm going to keep trying to avoid it. So hopefully that happens and I can stick around and keep you guys uh, engaged with our posts on the site and on this podcast. So again, thank you for every listen. I appreciate it. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get... Our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom Adams at TommyAdams71. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And you can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.